Welcome to the Level Up Podcast, brought to you by Century 21, the Harrelson Group, featuring masterminds with real estate leaders, coaches, and influencers, plus eye-opening strategy sessions with up-and-coming agents. You'll learn exactly how to go from agent to entrepreneur. And now, let's get to the latest episode of Level Up. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to the Level Up Podcast. This is the place where you go learn how to go from agent to entrepreneur. We're back with Greg Harrelson, as always. And it's just me and Greg. We love these episodes because we really get to dig into one specific topic. And we're talking about stories and the stories that we uh, that we tell ourselves and how that career stops us from taking action and also getting results. And we're going to relate it to lead generation. So if your biggest challenge right now is attracting more clients, this is the episode for you. Greg, first of all, welcome. Yeah, hey man, it's glad to uh, be back with you. I know the audience I think enjoys when you and I kind of riff together, so I'm looking forward to this and and many more. Always, always fun for us. I'm glad the audience enjoys it too. <laughs> we would do this whether we were hitting record or not. I feel like that's uh, right. You have yeah. a passion for this stuff. I enjoy riffing with you, and so uh, it's it's always a good time. We have as much fun figuring out what topic we're going to cover and talking about it behind the scenes. We should almost record those conversations before we do these uh, these uh, once once they're figured out because the flushing out yeah. part is a lot of fun. That's um, probably true. But when we talk about uh, changing your story and, and changing your result, um, what, what kind of brought this up? What, what was some of the things that you noticed about your own agents that brought this up as like a coaching type of conversation? You know, um, that, that great way to start the conversation because that's exactly kind of what happened is I'm looking at real estate agents in my office as well as just real estate agents across the country. And you'll see that some agents will um, tend to gravitate towards one lead generation strategy or a few lead generated generation strategies. And they'll speak about those strategies with conviction like, oh my gosh, I'm, I, I just love working for sub owners. They're blank. And then that same person will say, gosh, I just hate working, hypothetically, expires because of blank, mm-hmm. right? And, and you can interchange any of those and, and, yeah. and replace those with different strategies. And then you look at it across the country, see some people are crushing um, a certain category like four sub owners, and some people won't even touch them. Mm-hmm. What's going on? And then I started thinking about it. It's like, why is this agent successfully working for sub owners and this agent won't ever attempt to work a for sub owner. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that when I talk to agents through coaching, I realized that the difference between the person who's being successful at a generation pillar versus somebody that's not being successful is the, is the story that they're telling about the pillar. Mm-hmm. Meaning I go to somebody and says, Hey, you know, tell me a little bit about the success you're having with four sub owners. Well, I love four sub owners. I mean, four sub owners. I mean, if you just stay in touch with them, build a rapport, they all list and they don't even mind paying a real estate commission. It just seems like they want to make an attempt on their own just to, you know, see if they can actually sell the property a little bit faster. But once they get a little discouraged, they have no problem paying a real estate commission. Mm-hmm. And then that's the story that the person that's successful at force of owner seems to be telling. Yeah. And then you got a force of an agent that won't work a force of owner. And you say, well, why do you, why, I'm just kind of curious. Why do you choose to avoid force of owners? Well, you know, they just don't want to pay commissions. You know, they don't ever want to pay any commission. They don't like real estate agents. Now, if I'm not a real estate agent and I get the first story, oh, force of owners are great. They're easy to get along with this and that. If I was hearing that story, I'd be like, yeah. I want to work them. Yeah. But if I was hearing the second story and I'm not a real estate agent, I'd be like, yeah, I get why you don't want to work with them. I wouldn't want to work them either. Mm-hmm. So what's interesting is that we know it's not the category for sub owner. 
It's right. the narrative that the agent's telling about the category that's influencing whether or not they'll get into action, take action on that pillar. And if they take action and they still have that negative mindset, they're not going to get a result anyways. Mm-hmm. So that's where it all came from. It's like when I'm looking at it, it's like, why is this person so successful at this? And this person won't even touch it. Mm-hmm. And that's where I started formulating this dialogue. Well, so let's go deeper, first of all, in the FISBO thing a little bit more. And then we'll relate that and probably go through some other lead gen pillars and give some more examples of stories. And then hope maybe we'll finish out with, if you realize that you have a negative story going on, maybe some practical things that we can do about it to change that. Because I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts and feelings about that. Um, but let's go deeper on the FISBO thing just real quick. Yeah. So you've got people that believe that they have a completely different story. And most of all, they've proven it to be successful, that that, that story is actually true. Right. So from their perspective, they're going, look, I sign up FISBOs all the time. They, they're fine yeah. with paying a commission most of the time under certain certain circumstances. Now, let's contrast that with the person who makes a few calls, has some negative impressions, maybe had some background experience in their life that gave them that story, and they come out with a different story. Uh, what are some of, let's, let's get down to the truth just a little bit, because you have a ton okay. of experience working with FISBOs. So what is the reason that some people get the impression they don't want to pay a commission, and why are some people able to just kind of sign them up, stay in touch, and that doesn't seem to be an objection that hurts them. Yeah, so I think with force home owners, here's what the industry, most agents are missing. I think it's it's so easy to make the assumption that for sale by owners are trying to save the commission, okay? I think that's just a, a, a I, I think as an industry, it, there would be a consensus that would agree, it, it, that would be the consensus. That will force a owners or force a owner by because they want to save the commission. I do not believe that. I think we really missed the miss missed the point. Mm-hmm. I believe force a owners are trying to force a owner because they think they can sell it faster. Okay, now okay. hold on, hold on. We're gonna break this down for a minute. Okay. Okay. So what a force a owner is thinking, in, in in my opinion, is well, I could price my property a little bit lower because I don't have to pay the commission. Therefore, it should be an easy sell. I should be able to sell it faster. Okay. Now, that's what I think the for sale owner is actually really doing. Now, now all the agents on the audience right now are gonna argue, yeah, but they never price it lower. That's because they don't, they're not professional real estate agents. They don't know how to properly price a property. See, their intentions so when, going in, go ahead. Yeah, so, when, so when they think they're underpricing a little bit, that to our perception, they're still high because they're not in the market every day. You're saying they're thinking they can price a little bit lower. They just end up overpricing themselves because they just, they're not good at pricing properties. Yeah, so I mean, so like me and you may think this house is worth $300,000 as professional real estate agents. We think it'll sell for $300,000. They may think, I mean, most people think their homes are worth more than they are. Yeah, it's like the 15% I own at premium. Yeah, so they may think that their real value is Mm $330,000. Then they discount their price to $305,000, and they fulfilled, they, 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 they exercised the action necessary to fulfill their belief, which is, I can just remove the commission price it lower. They did. They priced it lower than they believed it was worth. They didn't price it lower than fair market value. 
because they don't have the knowledge, the tools, the experience. They're not equipped to determine what fair market value really is. Mm. So then the real estate agent looks and says, well, they didn't price it. They've even, they're priced too high. But the FISBO wasn't saying, I'm going to try to price it too high and earn the commission or save the commission. That's not what they said. I mean, come on, for sale owners. I mean, you know, for sale owners may not have a lot of real estate knowledge, but you know, for, they're, they're human beings. They have some sort of knowledge. They, not all for sale owners are making, you know, decisions that I'm going to try to, you know, not pay an agent and I'm probably going to try to stick it to a buyer. No, they actually think they're giving the buyer a deal. But what we then observe what the for sale owner is doing and we say, based on our data, we say, gosh, that buyer's not going to get any deal. Why would anybody work with a for sale owner? And so then we say, they're just greedy. They just want to save the commission. No, 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 no. So when, see, if my story is that they're not greedy, they're not trying to save the commission, they're trying to save time, they're setting a price that they think is, is, is below fair market value because they don't have to pay a commission, then I'm going to approach that for sale owner differently. I'm not going to be walking into a for sale owner with the mindset that they're greedy or they're just trying to cut us out. I'm going to be walking in with the mindset that it's obvious I'm going to have to educate them on where the market is. I'm going to have to show them what fair market value is. I'm going to have to show them those types of things, mm -hmm. you know, versus trying to convince them to pay me. That's not the issue hmm. because if, if four sober owners really had an issue, we know that such a high percentage of four sober owners were either on the market and then failed mm -hmm. and tried to, to, and now are trying to sell, which means they were willing to pay a, a commission yeah. or, they fail that for sale owner and go on the market, which means they're willing to pay a real estate commission. They are all willing to pay a real estate commission. It's just they're attempting to do what seems to be logical at the moment for them. Mm -hmm. And then when their logic doesn't turn out, it doesn't pan out for them, they immediately go to the real estate agent. Yeah. That's yeah, that a very, sense. very important mm -hmm. story. Those are two different stories that somebody tells about for sale owners that'll make the difference in, in, one, in, in an agent's success. Yeah, and, and I've never heard that story before, that, that perspective on a FISBO's motivations, which that's, that's interesting in and of itself. Uh, but let's dig in a little bit more into some of the other, let maybe expand that out to expired and some other lead sources yeah. that you're a big fan of. And let's talk about some of the other stories that people tell themselves. Yeah, so an expired, I believe a lot of agents that avoid expires are kind of telling two stories. They're like, oh, those people are ridiculous. They're, they're, uh, if it expired, it's overpriced. They're, just, they're not going to price the property correctly. Mm -hmm. And then some of them will say, I don't like expires because they're mean, mm -hmm. you know, or they're just, they're too, they're, they're, they're just like, they, they hang up on you. They're just, they're confrontational and whatnot. So let's address the first story. Okay. Um, you know, instead of thinking that an expired is like, again, they just overpriced their property. I think they're just misinformed by the previous real estate agent. And I'm not trying to say anything about the previous agent. I, you know, I don't know what they did, but if a property failed to sell, there was probably some information that wasn't discussed with that seller. Mm -hmm that actually get, would have given them the opportunity to package and price it properly, that would have caused it to sell. Well, now, there can be some times where, you know, agents, you know, or it will, will tell a, an expired or a person, this is the right price, and then maybe that seller resists it, and it does expire. That right. does happen, but it's not, we can't just tell the whole story like all expires are blank, because it's not true. I think that there's more expires that expire because of misinformation then there are expireds that expired because of resisting the information. And why would I say that? 
because 90 something percent of all the expireds when it goes back on the market, they drop the price. Yeah. I mean, there's proof. So I'm trying to provide like the story to you, um, Matt. And then I'm, I'm trying to show you like, okay, here's the logic behind it. Here's how I know that. Here's how I know force of owners will pay the commission. Here's how I know expires will adjust their price because that's what they do mm-hmm. all the time. And then when it comes to the story, well, those expires, you know, they're kind of angry. I, I really don't, you know, want to talk to them. They're mad. Y- yes, they are, which makes you, makes the job for you very easy. They're mad at the person in the past. Right. <laughs> and the only reason why they're acting mad at you is because the person in the past didn't call them back. And so they never had a chance to vent. They never had a chance to be heard. You're the first real estate agent that they can vent to. It's not about you. Mm. It's about the past, but they need to get the past off their chest before they can move into the present. Mm. That's really good. So there's the story. So like, it's like, okay, if I understand this and I start telling myself that story, then, okay, maybe I will move forward and take a little bit of action on this one category. Centers of influence, another one. Um, you know, the story that so many people, because we all know that centers of influence and past clients are, it's, it's a great pillar for generating business. Yeah. But so few people, everyone talks about like doing it, but no one really ever does works centers of influence the way they should. And I shouldn't say no one. There are some yeah. superstars out there that do it. Yeah. But, Generally, it's not done correctly. And then you say, well, why don't you work your centers of influence? In coaching, we'd ask that question so much. Well, you know, I just, I just don't want them to feel like, I don't, wanna, I don't want to feel like, you know, I need business from them. Or I don't want to ask them for business. Mm-hmm. I just don't, I don't feel comfortable asking them for business, mm-hmm. right? And that's the story that so many people say, and therefore they don't call them. Now, another story can be, or another way to look at it is, if you think that you're asking for business, then that means your only approach that you have in your mind is that you're asking them to give you something. Well, why don't you take a different approach, and why don't you make sure that the conversation is about you giving something? See, it's a taking value versus adding value. So most of the people that say, I don't want to ask for business, I don't think you should ask your centers of influence for business. Your centers of influence will give you business as a reward for the great experience that you gave them outside of asking them for an actual deal. Like maybe what you did is you provided great information on a monthly basis and kept them informed. You, you created a quarterly report and every quarter you did a quarterly report for their community. Who knows all the great little things that you can do to provide great value where you never have to ask for anything in return because the law of reciprocity just applies, it kicks in. Mm-hmm. And so when you can t- when you can get your head straight and tell those two different stories or tell the uh, a, a more positive story on any of these pillars, that's how you're going to break through and, and and start generating business hmm. from from those areas, I should say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm, there's one I might want to try um, before we sign off, but this is really it's really good because. Um, once we start to like, once we start to realize and you really kind of examine, okay, what, what's the story that's going on in my head? Yes. You can dig a little bit deeper uh, into, okay, what are, what are the kind of the core beliefs or maybe the experiences in the past that gives me this feeling of the, like this, that creates this kind of inner monologue, this story that's going on. Um, and so it, just real quick before we cover one last lead gen pillar that I want to get into, is there any suggestions for once you realize you have a negative story? 
what can we do proactively to kind of break that, scratch the record, so to speak, as Tony Robbins might put it, to kind of start rewriting that internal story? You know, I, I think that uh, that's a great question. I, I think that there's so many examples of the stories that are being told that's actually keeping people from doing something. And there's examples of the stories that are being told that's causing people to do something, right? The positive okay. story. And that's why somebody. Right. So I think what you need to do is you need to just take a break for a minute and be very honest with yourself. What story am I telling? Mm-hmm. Be honest. What story am I telling? And just ask yourself, once, you, once you're willing to say, this is the story that I'm, t- uh, I'm telling about blank, about expires or FISBAs or whatever that is, then ask yourself, does, is, is it true? If it was true, then why is all this happening? See, we know it's not true. See, because right. the story's not true because we see evidence that it's not true, that people are always hiring real estate agents. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think the, the, the key is an awareness of what story you're telling and then asking yourself if it's true, because we already know it's not true. Mm-hmm. The next question af- after that is, so why are you telling that story? Yeah. Hmm. Why are you telling that story? Now, we could go really deep and keep peeling this onion, <laughs> which we probably shouldn't do. Right. Well, we'll, we'll, but we'll why try, are we'll try to keep telling that story. Why but yeah, but awareness is half the battle. I would agree with that. Uh, and it'll start to uh, probably uncover and surface some things that may be experiences. We, we've talked about it in another episode way back when, um, just like your experiences you had in the past that kind of gave you a negative impression of, of phone salespeople, which yes. created an obstacle initially in your real estate career. And a lot of people have that in their background. So a lot of times you yeah. can trace an internal story back to some event, mm-hmm. uh, an actual thing that happened to you that caused this story to kind of get embedded in our, in our heart and mind. And so, yeah, a lot of times we can trace it back to that and kind of deal with the original event and start to change our perspective on things. Uh, let's finish out with this. Uh, buyer leads. What, what are some of the stories people tell themselves about buyer leads to keep them from getting results in that area? Uh, well, the, the, the buyer lead comes in um, and, and requests information and then you call them and they don't pick up the phone. You know, even though you call them within a couple minutes, they don't pick up the phone. You text them, they don't respond. And then all of a sudden the story's, they're, they're, they're not serious. They're dead. Mm-hmm. Ugh. That's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a damaging story you can tell because you got to understand they did in today's world. It's not like we're throwing, casting a net um, in, in, a, in a pond and the fish are, we're trapping the fish in the net. It, what we're doing right now is like we're, the fish are electing to get in our net these days. It's not, we're not tricking them into our net. They understand when they hit the button says contact an agent and they put in their, their, their telephone number, they're expecting we're going to reach out to them. They don't think like this is, oh, I can just do this safely and no one's ever going to call me. So when we call them, when we get a lead, yes, they are interested. They are serious today because they're electing to go into this, you know, shark tank when they put in their information and get bombarded. Everybody knows that that's going to happen to them. Hmm. So when you get a lead and you, and, and you, you, you call them and you start telling a story, well, they, they didn't pick up, they didn't respond to my email, they didn't respond to this, then what ends up happening, you quit on them. You start thinking that, they're okay, they're no good. So you quit on them. That's the story. We've got to start telling another story that, hey, just like you didn't answer the phone when the lead first came in, maybe they can't answer the phone when, the lead's going, when, when you're actually 
first touching them. Like, you know, when you're, there's a chance that they're busy right now. There's a chance that they're on the phone right now. There's a chance that they're with their daughter at father, daughter, you know, uh, uh, a dinner. You know, why why don't you start giving them the benefit of the doubt and then understanding that the world, or at least in our country, it's requiring more attempts today to get somebody on the phone. You just got to understand that's a fact of life. The number of attempts necessary to get people on the phone is increasing because it's so noisy out there. Mm -hmm. So it has nothing to do with the person. It has everything to do with just the circumstances. And when you understand that, you won't quit on these leads so much. That's what we found with Contact Junkie. Why Contact Junkie is doing so well is that people were just quitting on the leads after one or two attempts. And we found it was taking eight to 10 attempts to actually get them on the phone if you didn't get them on your first attempt. And agents are quitting and telling a story that they're no good. Therefore, they're never making the investment in those additional attempts. And they're just losing so much business because of it. Yeah. And I think, you know, just to, to bring it back and put a, a nice kind of bow around the episode, I think this is uh, part of the, the difficulty of going from an agent to an entrepreneur is the the stories that like where we gave some examples that already have rock solid established evidence from other agents proving that the stories that, that a lot of us tell ourselves are wrong about certain lead sources, right? Now think about yes. if you're an entrepreneur and you're going into an unknown environment where you're genuinely not sure if something will work, all you have is kind of a theory or a hypothesis that I think this could work and it doesn't go the way that you want right away. A lot of us would take that opportunity to, to tell ourselves a story of, oh, this is not going to work. Imagine yes. the first yeah. person that decided to pick up the phone and start calling Fizbos, for example. Like they didn't have a raft of evidence uh, that other people can make it work. And I think what's interesting about really high level, very successful entrepreneurs is they don't immediately get discouraged and, and create a negative story. So um, they're able to kind of plow through that initial period where things don't work as smoothly as you'd like or you don't get the results that you want. They don't tell themselves a negative story so quickly. They keep pounding away at it and go, you know, I know there's an answer here. I just have to adjust some things and I'm going to learn more about the problem until I find the solution. And I think that's, that's something I've noticed about myself is in very, in not in all areas, but in certain specific areas, I'll set out to do something and I'll notice that if I don't get certain positive feedback in, in the way that I expect it, right away, my, my, my reaction is to go, oh, like, and start forming a negative story. And I'm yes. learning to kind of essentially suspend my judgment. Like, hey, look, I'm just learning about the problem here. There's probably a way that this goes successfully. It might not be, it might just be one out of a hundred, or it might be a Thomas Edison thing where it's one out of a thousand, but there's a way to get this done. Yeah. And I think that really successful entrepreneurs, they kind of have that attitude going in of, uh, they just have a better positive story that they are a problem solver and they're going to figure it out and it may not happen right away, but it will happen. And so I'm yeah. trying to, yeah. that, that's a really good kind of a meta story to apply to all these other areas that if we can, if we can learn how to do that, man, that's a really valuable skill that helps in a bunch of different areas as an entrepreneur. It's, yeah. I mean, we, we just got to come to it with a blank slate. Now the, the, uh, it's just to reiterate a little bit in our industry, there's already proof of concept. Yeah. It's it, like, like, you know, I wrote down here how many times I've heard, Hey, you know, uh, does your coaching work or does Tom Ferry's coaching work? Does Mike Ferry's coaching work? Does Buffini's coaching work? And, and I would say, only if you do. 
<laughs> right. Because the proof's in the concept. There's going to be coaching clients from all those coaching companies that are going to have success. And there's going to be coaching clients in those same coaching companies hearing the same message, being taught the same thing, and they're not successful. Yeah. It's not the coaching. It's not the FISBO. It's not the expire. It's not the COA, COI. It's none of that. It's us. Yeah. It's whether or not we're working. And so if we're in action and it's not working, it's probably because of the story we're telling ourselves while we're in action and it's leading us to it being ineffective or we're not in action and we're not in action because of the story that we're telling. And that's justifying why we never have to be in action. Yeah. 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 But proof of concept is the killer in this whole conversation. Yeah. Because it's already proved that it works. Mm. That's that's the killer. You're right. If it's something we're inventing something new, and we're saying, well, you know, we're, we're like hoping it works, mm -hmm. and then we're going to keep our minds as straight as we can and make a, a an authentic effort, and then we're going to measure and then make some determinations after we've given it a hundred percent. That's not what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. This is already proven. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So. Uh, how do people connect? How do they reach out? How do they ask you questions? Best way to, to get me and most easiest way is those that have reached out this way is just hit me up on Facebook Messenger. It's just, it's, it's just the easiest way to connect with me. Yeah. And so you'll also find the episodes kind of in the Facebook workplace for the Century 21 community. If you're outside of that community, you can go to, um, you know, obviously just straight up Facebook, hit uh, Greg up there. You can go to the Facebook page of the podcast. You can go to the leveluppodcast.com. Uh, we'd appreciate a review and a rating on iTunes, which would be awesome. Uh, if there was a particular guest episode uh, that you liked, uh, make sure to give them a public shout out in the, in the review and thank them for their time and their contribution. Uh, as we're recording this, we just released uh, the latest episode with the new CEO of Century 21. So mm -hmm. if you want to learn more about the vision and where things are going, if you're curious about that, whether you're inside the company or not, make sure to check that out. We've got some, uh, and then there's some other awesome guests that are coming up. So Greg, as always, appreciate it. This is really yeah. awesome. Enjoyed it.